Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. So I'm reading this book right now that's about leading through uncharted territories. And the example that the author is using is the story about the explorers Lewis and Clark. And if you failed history class, Lewis and Clark were explorers that were tasked with taking their canoes up the Missouri River to find the source of the Missouri River. And the belief was that if you could get to the other side, like if you find that source, that there's this intercoastal waterway that would take you to the Pacific Ocean. And if they could just get to the Pacific Ocean, it would change business forever because you would have a way to get connected to the East, you would, able, you would be able to do incredible things if we could just find this waterway. And the interesting thing is 15 months in, they find the source of the Missouri River. They're so thrilled. They, this is the, the mission. And the, the whole mindset was that as soon as they got to the top of the hill, what they would see would be this raging river taking them where they hoped they would be. But as they got to the top, of the hills and they looked out, they came face to face with something that they never imagined, the Rocky Mountains. And one of the explorers described it this way, no American had ever seen mountains like these. And the reality is when our old maps don't work out the way that we we want. When those old maps fail us, something within us dies. And I just feel like as we we start this message today, some of you have, have felt like your life has been just like Lewis and Clark. You've been canoeing upstream. You've been working your way towards what you thought it would be. And when you got there and you arrived and you climbed to the top of the hill, instead of it being what you thought it would be, you were face to face with an obstacle and a challenge that's greater than anything you've ever faced before. Everything that you had prepared for was no good when you came face to face with the reality of your life. And maybe for some of you, you've experienced some things that, that you thought it was going to be beautiful and hopeful. And, and when you got into it, it ended up being incredibly painful, incredibly challenging. And that pain and that wound has lingered. And there's something that in your life that what you thought was going to happen when that failed you, something within you died. And today, as, as we jump into this, I, I want to ask you an important question. Have you truly allowed the Lord to heal the greatest and the deepest wound in your life? Have you allowed the Lord to actually heal that in your life? And I think most of us, most of us would, would say, yeah, 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 we, I, I've dealt with it. And, and I thought about it real hard for, for a little while. And it's, it's all good. I'm, I'm past that pain. But pain has a sneaky way of 
of showing back up in our lives when we least expect it. I know for me, I'm starting to experience that in ways that I never have before. Because I, I don't know about you, but have you, have you noticed that as you get older, your body doesn't recover the same way that it used to? Now, don't judge me. I understand that I'm not all that old, but I'm coming face to face with this reality and I don't like it. Like, I, I, I don't understand what's happening. I know I'm getting older, but like, just all of a sudden, you just start feeling pain that wasn't there before. Like, I used to be able to play three sports, go to all the practices, live off of three bowls of cinnamon toast crunch and zebra cakes, get four hours of sleep, wake up the next day, drink a Red Bull and just take on a 12 hour day like it was nothing. Now, if I eat a cookie past 7 p.m., I'm rolling around in the bed all night with the bubble guts, don't understand what's happening, just rumbling everywhere. And because I can't get comfortable sleeping and I'm all over the place, then my neck gets a crick in it. Then I have to walk around the next day. I can't even face anybody without having to turn my whole body. I feel like I need a hyperbaric chamber just to be able to get through to the next day. I need a vacation from eating a cookie. Like what happened? What, what happened that our body just betrays us so quickly. I realized this, unfortunately, about a year ago, when I decided last February, I wanted to run 100 miles in 30 days. 100 miles in 30 days. Big task, overwhelming. But what you should know about me is that previous to that adventure, I had never run further than a mile, ever. For anything like I just I played sports, but I didn't just like go out and run like Forrest Gump. But I was I set it, set the goal and I'm going for it. So I jumped in three and a half miles every single day. And I realized within three days that shoes matter like a lot. Like I was experiencing pain that didn't make sense. I was experiencing pain that that just it it. I've never experienced this before. I'm, I'm running downhill and all of a sudden I have shooting pain in my shoulders and my neck is getting stiff and, and my arms are getting tired. And I'm like, I'm running. Well, like my legs aren't tired, but my, where is this pain coming from? But you know what? I got some better shoes. I accomplished my mission. I made it happen. What I didn't realize is that I had damaged my plantar fasciitis, whatever in the world that is. It's a muscle or fiber or tissue or something that's connected between my heel and, and the front of my foot. And, and I'm, for the most part, pretty flat footed. And I did some kind of damage to it. But it started to, to like, it stopped hurting once I stopped running. And I was like, okay, it'll, I'll just take some time off and, and it'll get all healed. And, and I thought it was good until I started working out again. And it would just all of a sudden just start the shooting pain again in my foot. And now we're a year later and every single morning I wake up, I wake up with a pain in my left foot until it warms up and stretches out. And, and it's this lingering hidden pain that's in my life that I, I don't really know what to do about. I don't know how to solve this problem. And, and while I thought a little bit of time would be enough for it to heal, it wasn't enough. So what's the point? Look at this on the screen. 
There are times when you genuinely believe that you've allowed God to heal you. But really, you've just learned to mask your pain. You've learned to push it to the side. You've, you've learned to, to stuff it. You've, you've learned to just suppress it, to suck it up and move on because life is coming at you fast and you, nobody has time to just sit around and cry and deal with all this stuff. We're just, we're just moving forward. And you've become really, really comfortable at masking your pain with the assumption that you've allowed God to actually heal it. But all it takes is a little bit of stress directed in that location for that pain to reveal itself again. All it takes is me to start running again. All it takes is for me to, to push off of that left foot for that pain to reveal itself again because there's stress and there's pressure on it. And all of a sudden I realize, oh, wait a minute. It's not actually healed. I've just been avoiding it. And unknowingly or intentionally, many of us have procrastinated our healing. And I want us to, to deal with that today. And to help us, we're, we're going to look at a, a story in the book of John where Jesus had this interesting interaction with a guy who had been paralyzed for 38 years. And it's a very familiar story for many of you who grew up in church, but there's, there's something new that I discovered in this story that I think is going to be really important and helpful for us today. John 5, starting verse 1. From Galilee, Jesus returned to Jerusalem to observe one of the Jewish feasts. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called in Aramaic, the House of Loving Kindness, surrounded by five covered porches. Now, this is the important part. Here we go. Verse 3. Hundreds of sick people were lying under the covered porches, the paralyzed, the blind, the crippled, all of them waiting for their healing. Verse four, for an angel of God periodically descended into the pool to stir the water and the first one who stepped into the pool after the water stirred would immediately be healed. Now, whether or not this was actually what happened, whether it was an angel, most scholars believe that there was some type of hot spring that was beneath it that would just bubble up. And, and perhaps that when it bubbled up, it would send, you know, different nutrients and minerals in the water that would actually help people. Or maybe it was the placebo mentality. I, we don't know exactly whether or not. I, I, it's unlikely that a legitimate angel is like stirring the water and, and all that. But this is, this is what they believe. Then there's hundreds of people who need healing who are surrounding this one pool. And verse five, among the many sick people lying there was a man who had been disabled for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that the man had been crippled for a long time. This, this wasn't news to him. Jesus said to him, do you truly long to be well? Do you really want to be healed? I don't know about you. But I feel like Jesus is just a little bit disrespectful here. Like, I've, I've always felt like reading the story, I'm like, man, like, I'm all about like a little bit of sarcasm, like, you know, prodding people and just picking on people. And my love language to you is when I make fun of you. Like, I get it. But like, Jesus, how do you just walk up to a dude who's been paralyzed for 38 years? And you're like, ah, do you do you really like do you really want to be healed? Or do you just like really like hanging out with all these people and you don't really want to go work and it's just nice to sit by the pool and maybe it bubbles up and you just look at it like, 
do you really want to be healed? Do you truly long for that healing? I just, I always struggle with that. But then I started to think about it. What if Jesus knew something about this man that you and I don't? What if, what if Jesus, the one who on a consistent basis was reading the hearts and the thoughts of people around him, what if Jesus knew that deep within him there were some significant doubts? What if, what if Jesus understood that there was, there was some significant fear holding back his healing? What, what, if, what if Jesus knew that this man, after 38 years, had become comfortable in his discomfort? Because think about it. If he were to be healed, it means that he would have to leave this community of people that he did life with. And he would have to go and like start all over again, get a job and, and provide and try to find a house and, and provide, connect with family again and, and all of these things. Maybe Jesus knew that like deep within him, he'd gotten a little comfortable in his discomfort. There's a couple of really quick truths that I want you to understand about when a problem lingers in our life for a long time. Look at this. The longer a problem exists, the more discouraged you become. The more you, you, just, you just succumb to that, like the depression and the, the cloud of it. And you just you almost become comfortable with that discomfort because it's it's just it's. I'm discouraged, I've tried, I've worked hard, I've done this, I've done that, I've tried to find healing, and it's just not working. And it becomes easier to just accept that negativity than it is to, to believe for hope and promise on the other side, right? Like, what's, what's the old saying? Misery loves company. The second thing is the longer a problem exists, the more excuses you tend to make. The longer a problem exists in your life, the more excuses you tend to make. Well, Danny, this is, this is just how it's always been. This is just how things happen. This is just life. This is, this is what it's always been. Like, all, like, my family has always been bad with money. So, like, it makes sense why I'm bad with money. All of, all of my friends are dramatic. Like, all of them have issues and their lives are a roller coaster. So, I mean... It just kind of makes sense that mine would be the same, right? Like, it's just kind of how things go. Well, Danny, my, my marriage has always been up and down. We've always kind of been on this roller coaster. We love each other and then we hate each other. And we love each other and we hate each other. We fight and then we're good and then we fight. It's just, it's just part of it. This is how it's always been. Well, Danny, you, you don't understand. Like, everybody in my family gets divorced. So, of course, like, I'm probably going to have to go through that too. I mean... If they did, what's so different about me? Everybody does it. Everyone's always done it. It's just part of our DNA. Most, most people go through this, or, or maybe for some of you, I'm, I'm not as smart. I'm not as connected as she is. I'm not as, I'm not as much of a brown noser and a suck up as, as he is. So that's why things always go right for them and and always go wrong for me. The longer a problem persists, the more excuses we tend to make. The last one is this, the longer a problem exists, the more you compensate for that problem. 
Think about it. It's the same exact thing that happens with injuries. Grandpa needs a knee replacement. But he's like, oh, I don't need a knee. This knee's fine. This is the one I got when I was born with. And it'll just be fine. And just keeps walking, keeps pushing forward, just keeps ignoring the, the healing that needs to take place in that, that knee. Instead of replacing it, just keeps pressing forward. And then what begins to happen to that other knee? It gets damaged. So then before you know it, you don't just need one knee replacement, you need both. We begin to compensate and lean on areas that we shouldn't, that cannot handle the pressure that's put on it. I heard this phrase not too long ago, and man, it just, it resonated in the room where I heard it. And I thought it was so important to share this with you. If you don't allow God to heal what hurt you, you'll bleed on people that didn't cut you. Don't miss that. If you don't allow God to heal what hurt you, you'll bleed on people that didn't cut you. When we ask someone or something to, to compensate for our inability to heal, they get damaged along the way. They experience the pain. They, they get bled on even though they're not the ones who hurt you. They have to deal with the repercussions of an unattended wound. They have to deal with the consequences of something that's in our lives that we have not allowed God to heal. And they get to face the punishment for it, even though they weren't necessarily the ones who did it to you. Your husband, your wife, your friends, your job was never created to handle the wound that happened to you from someone else. They can't handle us compensating for not allowing God to heal that wound within our lives. And for all of us, the wounds are different. Maybe for you, it's a, it's a past relationship that was detrimental and, and hurtful. And what happens is because that wound is still in our lives from the past, our present is, is filled with mistrust and jealousy and anger and fear. Or maybe this like over dependence on like, I just, I need you to make me feel better about this. I need you to like help me not be jealous because you do this and do this and do this, and then I won't be jealous this way, or I won't be fearful, or I'll trust you if you do it this way. And it's like, wait, I wasn't the one who caused the, the lack of trust. I haven't broken your trust. Why do I have to deal with the repercussions of something that hasn't been healed within you? Maybe for some of you, it's, it's insecurities about yourself, and you've, you've always dealt with this and experienced this, and you felt like this is just a part of your life, or maybe there's experiences that have just like amplified that in your life. And so you begin to project your fears, project your insecurities on the people around you, and you expect them to be able to compensate for your inability to find healing within your life. Maybe for some of you, you mask those insecurities by being the, the total opposite. You feel like you, you aren't enough. And so what you do is you project this feeling like you've got it all together. Like, let me just let me give you a little hint at work. 
the dude who acts like he has it all together, the dude that is the loudest one in the room, he's the one with the biggest insecurities. He's the one with the biggest insecurities because he's desperately trying to project, I'm good, I've got it all together. Look how gifted I am. Look how talented I am. Look how good looking I am. I'm projecting all of this to protect the insecurity in him that says, you're not enough. Maybe for some of you, this comes out, your insecurities, it comes out in uncommunicated expectations. This happens a lot in our relationships, particularly in our marriage. Because of your insecurity, because of your pain, because of that wound, you, you think in your head, well, he, he should know. He should know that I, I need that. He should, he should catch the hints. He should, he should be able to see that and feel that. I mean, he, he knows that. He, he doesn't. He doesn't know. And there's, there's expectations that are uncommunicated, that it's placed on husbands and wives and friends and family. Their expectations are, are put there, but they have no idea that that's the standard at which you're holding them to. And so you are not getting what you need, but you haven't communicated it. And so it creates this frustration and this jealousy, this comparison, this anger, and you lash out at that person even though they have no idea where the source of this is coming from. And then for others of you, man, you, you've walked through legitimate trauma. Legitimate trauma. And because of that, you've, you've put up walls in your life that are impenetrable. And you struggle to have meaningful relationships with people in your life because of the trauma that you've experienced. And you believe that if, if I just protect myself, if I just guard myself so it can't happen again, that everything would be okay. But if you don't allow God to heal that wound, you're just going to consistently bleed on the people around you that didn't hurt you. And I think this is why Jesus said, do you, do you truly want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? And here's, here's the interesting thing. As I was studying for this message, I discovered something that, that I hadn't seen before. And it, man, it just got me so fired up. The word that Jesus used in the Greek, I, I have to read it, is genetai. Genetai. And it, it's, sometimes it means to be. It means it's like this future sense, to be healed. But other times, that word in the Greek is used to indicate something that's already been accomplished. I don't miss this. Don't miss this. Listen, listen, listen. What if Jesus was asking him, are you convinced that you are already made whole? What if Jesus was saying, hey, are you, are, are you ready to abandon how you see yourself now and have the faith to believe that your healing is already done. What if Jesus was challenging him to realize that what he so desperately wanted was there, but he just hadn't embraced it yet? You see, I think for some of us, that there are times that we're, we're desperately praying for, for Jesus to do something big in our lives 
to show up, to bring healing, to, to, to be able to give us a breakthrough, to give us a life filled with purpose. And we're begging Jesus to show up in this new and unique way in our lives. And it's, it's almost like we're asking Jesus to go back down that winding road as he carried the cross and is, and be spit on again and ridiculed again. It's, it's almost like we're asking Jesus, Hey, would you go and take those whips on your back again? So then now I can be healed. I need you to do something big for me, Jesus. Jesus, I know this is a lot, but would you go and die again for me on the cross so that now I, I can have a breakthrough in the healing that I need? in our lives. But Jesus would look at us and say, your healing has already been paid for. The healing and the breakthrough that you so desperately want has already been accomplished. I don't have to go back and do something big. It's already been done once and for all. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but it was because of our rebellious deeds that he was pierced and because of our sins that he was crushed. He endured the punishment that made us, look at this, completely whole. And in his wounding, we found our healing. Mm. In his wounding, we found our healing. It's already been paid for, family. It's already been done. And the challenge is, are you ready to stop believing the lie that you must live wounded and embraced that your healing has already been paid for? Are you ready to, to stop believing the lie that something else has to happen in order for you to experience the healing that you've been procrastinating and putting off and pushing down and shoving to the side? Are you willing to see your healing as something that's already been accomplished if you allow the Lord to do the work he's already done. It's so important. What if Jesus was saying, do you, do you believe that I've already healed you? Do you believe that I've already done the work? We just read the prophet Isaiah who had the unfortunate job of communicating to the, the people of Israel who were in this season unbelievably wayward. They'd abandoned God in so many instances. And, and one of Israel's biggest problems was idolatry. It was their, their worship of other gods besides God. And part of the problem was that they were surrounded by so many countries and cultures that had so many different kinds of gods and gods for different parts of your life and, and gods that came with so many other benefits. And many of those benefits in the, in the eyes of Israel were, were these, this sexual freedom, this ability to, to do with who you want to do things with. And, and there were in some of these places, some of these gods, there were temple prostitutes that you could go and offer a sacrifice to the God or pay a certain amount and you could sleep with them and, and to honor the God. Like there was, 
there was so much there. And, and Isaiah in earlier chapters is saying, you've, you've been drawn in by their nakedness. You've been drawn in by this promiscuous life and this, this benefit of this freedom to do what you want to do in this sexual way. You've been drawn into this. You've believed the lie of the benefits that come from these other gods. But but God's word came to them that began to speak of this like this coming revival, this this coming change in their lives. And I believe what God communicated to them gives us a roadmap of how you and I can find the healing that we need in our lives, the healing that we've put off for far too long in our lives. And we'll work through this really quickly. Isaiah 57, 14 says, Yahweh says, let the people return to me, build, build up the road, clear the way and get it ready. Remove every obstacle from their path. And the first thing that you and I have to do is well, we have to clear the way and we have to remove the obstacles. And I know most of you might hear this and you, you might think, well, Danny, that's like the Old Testament. That's before Jesus. That's like, that's just like people of God. Like we're not we're, we don't have gods. We don't, we don't have like little statues that we're worshiping and offering food to and burning sheep. Like that's not for us. But look at this on the screen. What is idolatry? What does that look like for us? An idol is anything that has more influence in your life than God. That kind of changes things a little bit, right? We're talking about statues. no. An idol is anything that has more influence in your life than God. Is there anything in your life that has more influence than him? Is there, is there someone or something that in a moment of weakness, a moment of fear, a moment of stress and insecurity that you turn to before you turn to God? Is there any vices or habits in your life that you turn to when you feel overwhelmed and you, you don't turn to God, you don't turn to prayer, you don't turn to your, your Bible, you, you turn to those habits, those vices, those sins to try to medicate and soothe those areas of your life. Is there anything in your life that you might say, well, I don't, I don't think anybody can do anything about this. Like this, this one can't be solved. Is there anything in your life that might be able to be considered an idol? You see, idolatry is not a problem. It's the problem. Every one of our sins, every one of our insecurities, every one of our fears is a symptom of having something or someone sitting in God's place and having more influence in our hearts and in our minds. It's not a part of the problem. It is the problem. Every one of our struggles stems from us allowing something to have more influence, more impact, and more value in our lives than God. It's easy to separate Israel because they're weirdos. But you and I are far more like them than we care to admit. You see, you can't just confess your sin. You have to dethrone the idol. You can't just go, oh yeah, I'm struggling with this. And hey, can you just, just help me out and pray for me? I'm just really struggling. No, 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 no. We've got to dig deeper and go, hey, God, God, would you reveal in me the idols that are sitting in your place in my heart? 
God, what are those lies? What are those beliefs? What are those habits? What are those people? What are those behaviors? What are those things that have taken my eyes off of you on a consistent basis that I put them on the throne of my heart to influence my life more than you? God, reveal in me what those are so that I can dethrone the idols, put you back in the place that you should be. Clear the way, remove the obstacles. Verse 15, for this is what the high and majestic one says, the one who fills the eternal realm with glory, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy places, but also with the bruised and the lowly in spirit, those who are humble and quick to repent. I dwell with them to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of those who are broken over their sin. The second thing is that humility leads to revival. Humility leads to revival. And the truth is that the quickest way to find healing and direction in your life is humility. So many times we think about revival in, in our church, revival in our nation. What if God wants to start a revival in your neighborhood? What if God wants revival to take place in your family? What if God wants revival to take place in your work, at your job, at your duty station? What if God wants to do something miraculous and powerful through your influence in the world, in the circles that you walk through? Revival comes when we humble ourselves and say, God, I literally cannot do this without you. I've got nothing. I am tired of trying to control it. I'm, I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. God, I need you to do this. I give it to you. I am nothing without you. Humility leads to revival. Verse 18, even though I've seen their ways, I will heal them. I will guide them forward and repay them with comfort, giving mourners the language of praise. The last thing that we have to do is that we have to allow God to lead us forward. Allow God to lead you forward. God, God wants to take your pain and replace it and repay it with the comfort of his Holy Spirit, to give you the peace that surpasses all understanding, to give you the wholeness that's only found in a relationship with him. But you have to allow him to lead you. You have to allow him to lead you forward. So how, how, do, how do you do that? Super, super quickly. It's really simple. Let go of the wound. But Danny, you don't know how what I went through in your... I don't, I don't have to know your experience. I don't have to know what you went through. I don't need to hear how tragic it was. My heart breaks for whatever you're walking through, what you experienced, and God does too. And that's why he wants you to let it go and allow him to heal it. Because you see, the longer we hold on to those wounds in our lives, those tragedies, that trauma, that pain, that insecurity, that brokenness within us, the longer that we hold on to it, we start to believe the lies about the benefit that comes with it. We start to believe in the false protection that we can protect ourselves. If we, if we just put wounds and or we put walls around these wounds and we guard ourselves, then we can protect ourselves from ever being hurt again. That's just simply not true. If I, don't, if I don't get close enough with people, then they can't hurt me. That's 
that's not true either. All you have to do is post something on social media and you just get blasted for it. And the people don't even have to be in the same country as you to make you feel inferior and stupid and, and, and feel like your thoughts and your pride. The enemy will falsely make you believe that you can protect yourself. You can guard yourself. We, we buy into the, the benefit of this like fraudulent control that we can control things. Man, we can't control anything. We have no control. Every time in my life that I feel like I got my hands tighter in something, I control it. The quicker I learn, I have no control. We believe the benefits of this, this fraudulent peace that if I just keep stuffing, if I just keep putting it to the side, if I just keep holding it down and not dealing with it, oh, oh yeah, I know that, that was a painful experience, but you know, if I don't think about it, and I just, I just kind of move on then it's pretty peaceful. I just don't have to do until the stress presses down. It's like stuffing a closet full of clothes until it finally explodes. Don't believe and buy into this fraudulent peace that comes with just not dealing with what God needs you to deal with. The peace that surpasses all understanding comes when the healing is there. Verse 19, I offer peace to those who are far from me and I offer peace to those who are near and I will heal their deepest wounds. Today, no matter if you feel closer to God than you've ever been or you feel further than them, further from him than you ever have, the promise is still the same. God offers you peace and God offers you healing for the deepest wounds in your life. It's the very last truth that I want you to see. In order to start a new chapter, you have to end the old one. You can't just keep holding on. You can't just keep procrastinating the healing. You can't just keep putting walls around that wound and just letting it linger there in your life. You have to allow God to heal you. Jesus is asking you today, do you truly want to be healed? Do you truly want to let go of that pain? Are you ready to believe the truth that your healing has already been paid for? And if so, your heavenly father is waiting for you with open arms, ready to help you find healing. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much. And even in these moments where I, I felt like you were pretty sarcastic with this guy, the reality, Jesus, is you've proven throughout scripture and you've proven throughout time that you look past what's happening on the outside and you can see what's going on on the inside. And so Jesus, thank you for seeing through what was happening on the outside of that man's life. I thank you that in the verses that follow, you, you brought him the healing that he needed and he got up and he picked up his mat and, and he went on celebrating you. I thank you that healing came to him. But I also thank you that our healing is already paid for now. Jesus, you don't have to go back to the cross. You don't have to take, you, you don't have to do something big and huge and significant again for us to have the breakthrough that we need. Jesus, you've already done it. 
And it's just our turn to believe it, to lean in and understand that the healing has already been accomplished. I pray that you just give us courage to lean into you, to bring down those walls and those areas and those wounds in our life that need healing and to surrender it to you so that you can do the work that only you can do. Jesus, we love you. We praise you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.